Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, I'm Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome here for those of you that are joining us here in person and then those of you that are joining us online, welcome. So I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it lots more. If you're watching from at home, um, put away the dishes. Leave them where they're at. Let the kids rampage around, do all the things. Settle in, lock your eyes on what's happening today. Listen carefully. If all of a sudden something hits you, say a big amen. You can ju- Nobody sees you, so you can jump up. We can wave, you can wave flags, do all kinds of stuff from home. Just Join in as much as you possibly can from on home. If you're listening to this later in the week and you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. That's always an important thing. But listen in and join in as best you can. Well, today's a good day. I've got a question for you to start us off this morning, something for you to think deeply about. Uh, and uh, it's, it's not that deep, but why would a father, okay, think this through, why would a father run into a burning building that his child is inside of? Why would a father run into a burning building that his child is inside of? To, to save him. Okay, so that's a really good answer. I, I wasn't looking for that answer first, but I was thinking like to, because of love, right? I mean, love would drive a father to run into a burning building to save his child, right? Love would be like the obvious answer. But there's something else to it, and Doug actually helped us out with this. The other part of this is that a father runs into a burning building because the child needs saving. The child needs saving. Without the love, without love, the father wouldn't run in. But the father also would likely not run into the building if there was no child to save. If it was just a burning building and nobody was in it, why would you run into it? See, there's both a willingness and a need which work together to drive that father into that burning building. There's a willingness, that love the father feels. And there's a need, the child's endangerment. Those two things combine together and lead to action. As we're thinking about that analogy, that illustration, I want to ask you another question that's related to this. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? And, and think about it. Don't, don't answer out loud, but just think about it. Why did Jesus die? It's likely the same reason as the Father, that, that, that there is love there, that Jesus died because of the Father's love. And that's totally true. We read that in Scripture. It's one of the most famous Bible passages that there is, John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life." The Father's love drove Jesus to die. But that's not the whole story, is it? Thinking back to our illustration of why the father ran into the burning building, the other part of this is that we have a need. We have a desperate need. See, we've walked away from God's presence. Isaiah says it this way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our... To our each of us has turned... Wow, what, is, what in the world? How did I record that? Each of us has turned... I think the hour is not supposed to be in there. To his own way. Each of us has turned to his own way. Going astray, 
turning to our own ways, that's what sin is. When we do our own thing, that's sin. It's missing the mark. It's, it's going in a direction that God has not called us to go in. When we do that, this is what Paul says. Paul says in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's what Jesus says about sinning. In John chapter 8, Jesus says that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We are all in slavery to our sin. And finally, Paul says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. We have a need, don't we? We have a need. We're in a desperate situation. We, all of us, the whole world, it's as if we're in a burning building and we have a desperate need to be saved. And God's great love has come face to face with our desperate situation, which has driven the Father to action, which is where we get this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, it used to be back in the day that preachers preached strong hellfire and brimstone sermons. This was something that happened a few hundred years ago. It's something that still sometimes happens today. Jonathan Edwards was famous for this type of preaching back in the mid-1700s. And he preached a sermon back in 1741 called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And here's what he describes. Now, if you're going to take a sound bite from today, don't take this one. Because <laughs> this is, I don't agree with what's being preached here. But here it is. Here's what Jonathan Edwards said. Jonathan Edwards said, The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you. That's not true. <laughs> This is not me speaking. This is Jonathan Edwards. And is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. It's quite a disturbing image, isn't it? It's fictional. It's not altogether based on Scripture, but it's compelling. It's compelling. It, it grabs at us at some level and, and demands that we do something about this. Hellfire and brimstone sermons rely on fear and an angry God who sends everyone to hell and the only way you can possibly escape is by the skin of your teeth and, and a long shot trusting in Jesus. There is something significant that's missing from this kind of preaching, isn't there? There is something like super important and significant that's missing from this kind of a message. We'll get to what's missing Hellfire and brimstone sermons are kind of this old way of preaching that puts us into a ditch way on this side of the road. On the very other side of the road, there are sermons that are preached a lot today. There are these fluffy love sermons. It's another ditch that we fall into, but, but there are these fluffy love sermons that are so focused on lovey-dovey feelings that it seems like everyone gets into heaven. How in the world could anybody not get into heaven? Because a loving God would certainly not send anybody to hell. 
There are many preachers nowadays that preach these type of sermons, universalist preachers uh, who come off so loving and great because it's all huggy-wuggy party and it doesn't matter who or what you believe in, especially you don't really need to even believe in Jesus because God is love and a loving God would not send anybody to hell. There's something significant missing from that message as well, isn't there? The pendulum has swung far and wide from the one ditch of hellfire and brimstone to the other ditch of fluffy love. And in fact, it's somewhere in the middle that we're actually going to find the real Jesus. Somewhere between hellfire and brimstone and fluffy love is where we will find Jesus. We're in our, the beginning stages, really, of our Let's Dance series sermon series we just started it a few weeks ago where we are engaging with the trinity and for these last couple of weeks we've been looking at the sun today we're going to be looking at some of the stuff that prevents us from engaging with the sun and how we can overcome these things and we're specifically going to look at these two ditches because in the first ditch we have a, a, an inaccurate or, or a incomplete view of god And people who hold to this side of things, there is something in this that stops them from being able to engage with the sun fully. And on this other side, over in this other ditch, we are missing something so important and so huge that causes people to not be able to engage with the sun. So we're going to be talking about these two ditches today so that we can more fully engage with the sun today. So we're going to take a look at these two things briefly and hopefully find ourselves in the middle with a better understanding of who Jesus is. The hellfire and brimstone, the good thing about the hellfire and brimstone message is that it emphasizes the need that we have for a Savior, which is really fantastic. We really are lost without Jesus and we are in a desperate situation. Scripture really does describe some very real consequences to living a life without Christ. The biggest one of these, of course, is that those who reject Jesus will spend an eternity separated from Jesus in hell, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a horrible place. It's a place of eternal torment. Without Jesus, that is where we're headed right now. It's not that God has sent anybody to hell. It's that we are headed full bore to hell. We are going straight in that direction, and it's that that we need rescuing from. It's not pretty. And while I am definitely not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, and I am not trying to use fear to coerce you in any way, you need to know that hell is very real. And the world is in danger today, very real danger. There's many passages of Scripture that teach on this, that speak on this, uh, but there are two that stand out for me. The first is in Jesus' own words, and, and here's what he says. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this passage does not speak about hell specifically, but it does say that Jesus is needed. He is the only way that we have to gain access to the Father. The alternative to what happens if we don't go through Jesus to access the Father, the alternative to this is seen in another passage. It's in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul says to us that the wages of sin is death. 
And the death in this passage, the death that's being referred to here, is not just you die once and that's it. It's eternal death. It's ongoing death. And we can look at many passages that speak about the the reality of hell and, and the significance of going to it and what it looks like, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and those type of things. But I don't want to linger for too long on this point. The whole point of this is that there is a real consequence to living a life separate from Jesus, and that real consequence is eternal death and separation from God. Now, if you look at Romans 6.23 that's up on the screen right now, you'll notice that there is an ellipsis at the end of that, a dot, dot, dot. And we're going to come back to that ellipsis really soon here. But for right now, I want us to just quickly again look at hellfire and brimstone because the hellfire and brimstone stance clearly emphasizes the great need that we have for a Savior. Unfortunately, this stance can sometimes leave out and often leaves out the great love of our Heavenly Father. It emphasizes our great need, but it mentions nothing of a loving Father. Now, driving home the need for Jesus, just imagine this for a moment, driving home the need for Jesus without revealing his love can leave a person beaten and bruised and running for the hills. Imagine the number of people who, some, have been fear-driven into heaven, but many have turned away from God because they see God as nothing but an angry, angry God. Now, on the other side of the road here, we have this other ditch, the fluffy love ditch. The fluffy love ditch emphasizes the love of God, and that is really great. So while over here on the the hellfire and brimstone, we see our need for a Savior, and that's fantastic, over here on the fluffy love ditch, we see the love of God, which is really super wonderful. It's really important for us to understand that we have a God who loves us, a God who loves us so much. In fact, uh, the the Apostle John says in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. God is love. God's love is clearly on display for us in Scripture. We can see Jesus clearly declaring it in the most famous Bible passage, again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. There's another dot, dot, dot there that we're going to come back to in just a few moments. And we see as well in Scripture how Jesus compassionately walked in this world. Everywhere Jesus went, we see passages like this. I don't know if you've seen this before. This is so amazing. As you read through Scripture, look at how Jesus interacts with people. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9. Or this is spoken of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The compassion of Jesus is on display. And we know that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, as Hebrews 1 tells us. So we know that the Father has great compassion on us, just like Jesus does. The compassion and the love of God is all over Scripture. The fluffy love ditch clearly emphasizes the great love of the Father, and this is a fantastic thing. Unfortunately, it can sometimes leave out the need for a Savior. A loving God, for sure. But sometimes this ditch has no real need for Jesus. Focusing on the love of the Father without revealing the need for a Savior can leave a person happy but lost for all of eternity. 
So what is the answer? Well, of course, it's, it's finding Jesus between these two ditches. It's seeing what each ditch emphasizes that it's really good and finding Jesus in the middle of those two spaces. I shared two passages with you earlier that had the ellipsis, the dot, dot, dots. And so let's look at the fullness of these passages. Uh, the first passage is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, we have a need for a Savior, and our loving, amazing God has given us a wonderful gift, a great gift, and that great gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we don't just have a need. We have a loving God who has provided the answer for that need. The other verse is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, God loves the world so much, again, that he provided an answer to the world's problem by sending his son, Jesus. And by believing in Jesus, we don't perish. We're saved from the fire. We don't perish. We, instead, we get eternal life. In so many places in Scripture, our need is met by God's loving solution in Jesus. Yes, we have a need, and yes, we have a loving God. Those two things go hand in hand. The truth is, without Jesus, we are lost. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy our need for a Savior except for Jesus. Jesus is the only way. This world is great, really. This world is fantastic. God has made a magnificent place for us to live, and even though the world is marred by sin, it's still beautiful and wonderful. We live in an amazing place in the peace country, don't we? We look, can look out, we can see the mountains. Even though, I don't know if you saw the sunrise this morning. The whole sky was pink and beautiful. It's just amazing to see God's wondrous creation. But nothing in this world, nothing in this creation, no mountain, no waterfall, no sunrise, no sunset, no anything will satisfy our need for a Savior except for Jesus Christ. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy Many people in our world, though, try to find something in this world that will satisfy, fill that hole that is inside of each of us, that need that we have. We fill it with good things. We fill it with bad things. We try to fill it with all kinds of stuff that doesn't satisfy in the end. Nothing will ever satisfy our need for a Savior except for Jesus. Without Jesus, we're lost. But because of God's great love for us, he has sent us our Savior, Jesus. He has willingly given his son, Jesus. And Jesus willingly went to the cross to provide a way for us to spend eternity with the Father. Our sin, our brokenness, our death, our lostness has all been placed on the shoulders of Jesus. He willingly died so that we could live. He willingly died so that we could live. God loves the whole world and sent Jesus to die on the cross so that the world could be saved. We are in a burning building, but our loving Father has come to rescue us. And each of us has to come to a place where we choose to believe in Jesus, to follow him out of this burning building so that we can be saved. God loves you. He loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. But you still need to choose to believe in Jesus and to follow him. You need to choose to give Jesus your life. Now, when we do that, 
Here's an amazing thing about Scripture. When we give our life to Jesus, when we ask him to come into our life, when we ask him to forgive us of all of our brokenness and to bring healing, here's some things that Scripture says happen to us. It's amazing. Scripture goes on and on and on about what happens when we trust in Jesus. Here's some of the things that Scripture says. Scripture says that you are forgiven. You are set free. You gain eternal life. You are adopted into God's family. You are God's temple. You receive the Holy Spirit. You become Christ's friend. You become a part of Christ's body, his church. You are made complete. You are united with God. You are born again, made new, a new creation. You are a minister of reconciliation, a witness for Jesus. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are justified, sanctified, set apart, made righteous and holy. And we could spend the rest of the day and the week and the month talking about all the amazing things that happen when we come to Christ. But isn't this a beautiful list? It's amazing what happens when we come to Jesus. Everything changes. And when we talk about a list like this, what we're talking about is we're talking about our identity in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. When you come to Christ, all these things become true of you. It's who you are in Christ. Because of what Jesus did and because you have given your life to Jesus, This is what is now true of you. This is your identity in Christ. Now, here's something else that I find very cool because this happens when we come to Christ. All this stuff becomes true of you when we come to Christ. But even before you knew Jesus, even before you knew who he was, even before you had a thought about God, even before you even came into existence, God loved you. Even before any of this, before you even before there was you were a twinkle in your dad's eye, God loved you. Here's what scripture says about you even before you knew Jesus. Scripture says that before you knew God, you were loved. You're created. You've been created in the image of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows you and he sees you. He sees your every need. Every good and perfect gift you have comes from God. And we can go on and on and on with this list as well. That he knows all the days of your life, they're all written before him. That he has a good plan for you. That he has sacrificed his life for you. All this stuff is true before you even knew who God was. You see, the failing of the hellfire and brimstone stance is that it fails to recognize that even while we were still broken in our sin, Christ died for us. Even before we acknowledge the Father, the Father loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. Before we knew that we needed saving, Jesus made a way for us. Before we even knew that we needed saving, Jesus made a way for us. On the other side, the failing of the fluffy love stance is that it fails to recognize our need for a Savior. Yes, God loves us before we even know him, but he also knows we need Jesus to come and save us. The difference in these two lists we just read is that without believing in Jesus, without giving your life to him, you're still under the weight of your own sin. You're still broken. Without Jesus, you are estranged from God and separated from him. We need Jesus so that both lists are true. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have a sure foundation in your identity in Christ, both from what was true before you knew Jesus and from what is true now that you know Jesus. 
Isn't that good? All this is true of you. If you know Jesus, all this is true of you. Now, today's sermon is supposed to be about prayer and fasting. I really, as I was preparing this week, I'm like, okay, Lord, I need to talk about prayer and fasting. And I kept trying to come back to prayer and fasting. And Jesus kept saying, you need to tell them that I love them so much and they need me. You need to tell them that I love them so much and they need me. We often fall, I I don't know about you, but we often fall, I fall in one of these two ditches. And sometimes it's day to day. Sometimes I'm over in this ditch and I'm all cranky. And I'm just like, you're all going to hell. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm over in this ditch and I'm like, oh, it's okay. We just, everybody loves everybody, right? And, and I find myself in both these places sometimes and, and it's not good. It's not good. We have to be in the middle where Jesus is, that he loves us and we need him. He loves us and we need him. We are starting a week of prayer and fasting tomorrow. So I'm going to talk really quickly about prayer and fasting because it's important to know about prayer and fasting. But we needed to first know that we are loved by God and that we need Jesus. We're loved by God and we need Jesus. Do you know why this is important? Because as we go into prayer and fasting, we need to know that we're loved. We, know that we need to know that we need Jesus. And we need to know the world knows, needs to know that too. The world needs to know that they're loved and they need to know that they need Jesus. When we come to Jesus, we get to have a relationship with God. And one of the privileges of having a relationship with God is the ability to hear his voice. In John 10, it says that, that Jesus' sheep hear his voice. So if you belong to Jesus, you're one of his sheep, and you get to hear his voice. It's one of the privileges that we have as followers of Jesus. And we call that prayer, actually. That's what we call prayer. When we come to God in prayer, we listen. Listening is one of the most important things that we do when we pray. We listen to Jesus. We hear his voice. He speaks to us in all kinds of different ways, but, but we're going to talk about the ways he speaks to us in, on a different Sunday. But for today, I need you to understand that the biggest part of prayer, one of the biggest parts of prayer, is that we get to listen to God and hear his voice so that we can begin to line up with his way of thinking, so we can begin to see what the Father does. Jesus did this when he was on earth, didn't he? He often went away to be with the Father so that he could line up his will with the Father's will. If Jesus did this, Jesus is God. If Jesus had to go away regularly to listen to his heavenly Father, to line up his will with his Father's will, certainly we need to do the same thing. We go away regularly to listen to God, to line our will up with God's will. See, we've lived so long in this world This wonderful world, we talked about that earlier, this wonderful world that God made for us, but sadly, this also kind of messed up world that's been marred by sin. And by living in this world that's kind of been messed up a little bit, we've been soaked in this culture. We've been soaked in the things that are important in this world. And the things that are important in this world are not always the things that are important to God. And so we go to prayer to soak up God's ideals to soak up heaven's culture so that our thinking and our feeling and our decisions and our plans will not be so easily influenced by the culture around us, but more influenced by what God has in store. Lining our thinking up with God's thinking, asking God to reveal his heart to us and help us to walk in his ways. 
Now, when we add fasting and, uh, to, to prayer, when we add fasting to prayer, we take another step away from worldly things. We overemphasize the stepping away from the things that are in this culture and in this world and into the things of the heavenly culture and the things that God is calling us to. When we add fasting to prayer, we overemphasize the stepping away of all this stuff and the focusing on God's stuff. We devote ourselves more clearly to God's voice. Fasting helps us to remember our identity in Christ. You know, we can fast in lots of different ways. I know fasting, normally when we think of fasting, we think of fasting from food, and, and that's a really fantastic way to fast. It helps us to, to take our dependence on food and place it on Christ. It helps us to turn away from the things that we fill ourselves all the time and, and oftentimes try to fill ourselves to comfort ourselves and instead turn to God to fill ourselves with God, who is the great comforter, who's the one that we receive everything from, our provider, our sustainer. But food is not the only thing that we fast from. We can fast from technology. I don't know how many people will wake up in the morning and they just go on their phone, right? And they start looking through Facebook or they start looking through different things. I know I find myself in that spot lots. What's happening in the world today? What's going on? What do I need to pay attention to, right? And instead of doing that, what if I put that aside for a moment and just went, okay, God, where's your heart today? What are you calling me to, to pay attention to today? What would you like to speak to me today? So perhaps you're going to think about doing a fast from technology this week. And instead of uh, going to your phones every five minutes or whatever it is, perhaps we go to prayer and we listen to Jesus more. Maybe you're going to, to, to fast from entertainment or, or something else, whatever it is. There's a whole, you could fast from anything. Anything that takes you and, and maybe improperly influences you to the detriment of being influenced by God. Something we can turn away from to turn more clearly towards God. Now, it may not be bad stuff. We all need to eat, right? I'm not saying that eating food is, is a bad thing. We all need to eat. But it may be that fasting from those things for a time will help us to more clearly connect with Christ. The main point of fasting is to take the time that you would spend in those other activities and devote that time to listening to God, to line up with His will for your life. See, when we partner <clears throat> fasting with prayer, we turn the volume down on all the things in this world and we turn the volume up on the still, small voice of God. Now, a note here is that prayer and fasting are not ways to manipulate God. We're not trying to barter with God. God is not a vending machine. We're not saying, hey, I'm going to put my time in like a quarter into the vending machine so I get a cookie out at the bottom. We are putting away the things that have distracted us, that have taken up our time to line our lives up with the life of God. Prayer and, are, prayer and fasting are ways to realign ourselves with God's plans for our life. So as a church, our tradition actually has been for the past several years to spend some time at the beginning of the year in a, a week or so of prayer and fasting. And so that's what we're doing. Tomorrow is beginning our week of prayer and fasting. We also do this in anticipation of our annual meeting. So we feel like there is a whole year ahead of us. What, we don't know what God has in store for us. We're looking ahead at this year and we're saying, God, would you lead us and guide us in this? And so we are specifically praying and fasting for a week to put our, our hearts and our minds in alignment with God, 
to then spend time next week at our annual meeting listening to him and asking him to direct us and, and to guide us. So we're inviting you as a church to join us in that, to spend this week praying and fasting in some way. We have the guide. Pastor Amy talked about that. You can use the guide. It's a daily guide that might help you. You can even just do it on your own. Just spend some time praying, fasting, reading your Bible, listening to God. And then as we come together next week, we're going to have a special hour of prayer from 5.30 to 6.30 where we're inviting everybody to come. Come, let's pray together. Let's see what the Lord places on our hearts. Let's lean in together into prayer and fasting this week and next week. Here's the takeaway for us today. <clears throat> I know I only spoke about prayer and fasting for a moment, okay? But join in with this week. There's in the in the guide that Pastor Amy made. There's a couple of little hints, hints and tips and things like that that'll help you. Uh, but lean into that. But the big takeaway I want you to have as we go out from today is that God loves you. He loves you. He really, really, really loves you. Look at the person next to you, okay? Look at the person next to you. If you're sitting by yourself, make sure somebody catches your eye and just say, God loves you. Look at someone and say, God loves you. Are you guys doing it? There you go. I'm looking at, I'm looking at these guys right here, Brian and Bruce, and they're just kind of like, God loves you. It's kind of like a whisper. Whisper to them. That's good. It's good. Did someone say it to you, Esther? Okay. You guys at home, if you're alone, God loves you. If you're with somebody else, look at each other and say it. God loves you. And we desperately need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. Without Jesus, we can't really know that God is love. We can't know God's love without Jesus. So do you know that you are loved by God today? Do you really, really know it? Do you really know it? That you are loved by God today? If there's a question in your mind, does God really love me? If there's a question in your mind and you're asking, does God really love me? I'd encourage you after the service even that you would come and, and pray with one of us. Well, there'll be a couple of us up front here. We'd love to pray for you to really experience the love of God because the truth is God really, really loves you. The other question, the other takeaway today is, is to ask yourself, have, you, have I given my life to Jesus? Have I given my life to Jesus? Now, many people in here, you did this a long time ago, and you don't need to keep doing it over and over again. I remember, uh, uh, you know, I, like I being a Christian at 16, but I remember uh, wondering, do I need to do this every week? Do I need to give my life to Jesus again every week? And in a sense, we do, uh, but, but not really. When we ask Christ to come into our life, it's a once and for all thing. Jesus has come into your life. So if that's happened to you already, then you're good. But if you've not given your life to Jesus yet, today's the day. Today's the day. There's going to be a prayer that's going to come up on the screen right here. And I just want to, if you have never given your life to Jesus before, you can join me just in your own head praying this prayer. So if you've given your life to Jesus already, then you don't need to pray this prayer again. But if you just kind of close your eyes, and, and the prayer is going to be up on the screen, so you have to open your eyes to see the prayer. Uh, but I'll, I'll read it through slowly. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, here's the prayer to do so. So let's, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know I need to be saved. Thank you for coming to save me.
because of the Father's great love for me. I turn away from my broken ways and ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life and ask you to come into my heart, filling me with your spirit and making me a new creation. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, even if you've done that from home, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to be able to encourage you, to pray for you and with you, to help you, uh, help you out as much as we possibly can in learning more about who Jesus is and, and who you are in Christ and understanding your identity. So I'd encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, let uh, one of us pastors know. We'd love to pray with you. Following the service, um, we're going to have, we've got a little bit of a thing that we're going to do at the benediction, uh, but after that, I want to invite you, if you want to come forward for prayer, uh, if you want to come forward to, to tell us that you've prayed the, the prayer to accept Jesus into your life for the first time, we'd love to hear about that. If you'd like to come up for healing, we'd love to pray for you for healing. If you want to experience the love of Jesus uh, more in your life, if you've not experienced that before, come forward, we'd love to pray for you. So we'll be up at the front, a couple of us, uh, pastors and elders will be up here to pray with you. Uh, if you want prayer after the service. But why don't you please stand with me, and we're going to sing this closing song together. Oh, you can put yourself in a kind of a receiving posture if you want. Let me just pray this benediction over everybody. So God, we, we desperately need Jesus. Desperately need Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be walking in step with the Spirit and to know your Son, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to see you, to walk side by side with you. And help us, Jesus, would you help us to know the Father's love at another level today, to know how much we are loved. Help us to know the Father's love at a different level today. And as we go out from here, the world desperately needs to know your love, and the world desperately needs to know you, Jesus. And so help us to be those ministers of reconciliation that you say that we are, ambassadors for Christ, as you go out from here, that we are to tell our friends that they are loved, that they may not know it yet, but their Heavenly Father loves them, and that their Heavenly Father has provided a way out of the muck and mire for them, and that is Jesus. Help us to be your ambassadors in this world to tell your good news that people are loved and that you, Jesus, have come to save. And I bless you, church, to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, even now and throughout the, the week and the months to come, that you would walk in the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, be equipped and empowered to be able, be able to bring the good news that people are loved and that God has a plan for their life and that, that Jesus has come to save, that you'd walk in, in being able to share the gospel with boldness and be able to reveal to the world who Jesus is. I bless you. In the powerful name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 You're dismissed. Again, elders, uh, pastors will be kind of up here at the front. Come on up if you'd like prayer. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ, and then make him known.